Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Talk Epilepsy podcast brought to you by Epilepsy Scotland. Over the last few weeks we have been looking at mental health and epilepsy across our social media channels and also our website as part of our campaign to increase awareness of epilepsy and mental health and to improve the resources available for people with epilepsy. In today's episode I will be speaking to SNP MSP Alastair Allen about his experiences of being diagnosed with epilepsy and the mental health challenges that people with epilepsy can have. I will also be speaking to Epilepsy Scotland's wellbeing manager, Vicky Burns, about the wellbeing service that Epilepsy Scotland provides and the support and resources available for people struggling with their mental health. First of all, I talked to Alistair and asked about how he felt when he was diagnosed with epilepsy. Um, I... First, I uh, had a seizure when I was 17, um, and obviously, second time you have a seizure, that's probably when people um, work out that it's it's epilepsy. Um, and uh, how did I feel? Um, annoyed, really, to be honest. Um, I think most 17-year-olds want to do things like learn to drive, yeah. um, or just thinking about, in my case, going to university or, or getting jobs. So... I think in, in the countryside, um, and I grew up in, in the Scottish borders, I think not being able to drive is a is a significant problem for young people um, in a way that it isn't in the in the cities. Um, and so that, that was a factor. Um, but I suppose, I, I, like most people probably who, who develop epilepsy at that age, I didn't really know what epilepsy was. Um, and so I had to kind of try and find out about it. I think that was before Google, so I'm not sure if uh, how I found out about it, but uh, eventually got to see a, a consultant about it and you know a bit more was explained. Uh, what type of seizures did you have and how did it sort of affect you? Um, I think in those days they were still calling them grand mal uh, seizures, uh, tonic-clonic uh, seizures would be called today, um, essentially where um, lose consciousness and... Um, uh, I think the first time I had a seizure, I, I don't remember getting any kind of warning of what was happening at all. Um, but thankfully, after that, um, I, I always had about five minutes warning. Um, and the warning was was usually that I, I couldn't process speech. Not that I couldn't physically open my mouth, but I couldn't understand or, or, or speech or, or speak. So I knew, for instance, if I looked at my watch and I couldn't read the time, uh, I knew that there was something wrong. So... Uh, thankfully, uh, I always had that warning, and I think it's much more difficult for people who don't get any kind of warning as to what's going to happen. Um, so basically, uh, I don't know how often, maybe once every few weeks that would happen, um, and I knew basically to lie down on, on the pavement at that point. Uh, what challenges did you face um, after being diagnosed with epilepsy? Um, I suppose probably initially just really not understanding what epilepsy was like like most people don't really understand what what epilepsy was um i do seem to remember in a in a summer job having to explain to an employer after i'd had a seizure what what epilepsy was um and that was probably i don't remember many instances of real prejudice but i do remember uh, one or two situations where employers were unsure whether epilepsy was uh, a psychiatric condition or not and having to explain some of that um, so I, apart from that, I don't remember 
many problems with it, other than obviously the the fact that you have to remember to take your medication. And if you're pretty absent-minded like me, that's that's quite a challenge, although I did manage to do it eventually. I think the, the other challenge, though, is, is getting the medication right or as near to right as is possible. Obviously, that's not possible for everyone. I'm, I'm lucky, I'm fortunate in that my, my epilepsy is controlled by medication. It's quite a long, slow process of trial and error, to be honest, to actually get the dose right to, to make sure it worked. And I think that's a big challenge for a lot of people. How did that feel um, going through that process of trying to get the medication right? Was that sort of frustrating at times? Or? Yeah, I th yeah, I think so. I think it's quite frustrating, um, you know, having sort of infrequent um, conversations with different consultants about all this and, and going feeling like you're going round in circles a bit. I think a lot of people with epilepsy feel that, that they're, they spend a lot of time trying to get the medication right. Um, obviously, unfortunately, some people with, with um, epilepsy are not amenable to um, to to uh, to medication in a way that would would completely control seizures. But fortunately, I was. But as I say, it took a bit of a bit of negotiation and trial and error and persuading doctors to put me on on different doses and so on before that that was got right. And I think initially, when I was seventeen, eighteen. The first medication I was on um, didn't make me feel very well. It made me feel pretty dopey. Um, so I think I think a lot of that is a long, frustrating process for for people who are trying to control their their, their seizures. Yeah. Um, do you feel the sort of diagnosis of epilepsy did that affect your mental health in any way? Difficult to tell, really. Um, I've never been very good at assessing my mental health, to be honest. Um, uh, but uh, no, I don't, without being flippant, I, I don't think so. Um, I think what it did do, though, is, and a lot of people would find this, uh, I keep coming back to driving, um, is in, in rural areas, that, that really does restrict you quite a lot. I was just about to leave home at the time and go to Glasgow University, so I suppose it wasn't, wasn't um, as big a deal as it would have been for someone who was still living in a rural area. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think I had fairly understanding friends who just laughed off as friends do the situation that I was in and uh, were very kindly about it. But uh, I think some people have a more difficult um, situation, as I say, people who have a much more frequent seizures or people who, who have seizures without warning. I think that's a much, much more difficult situation. And I can imagine that would definitely have a an impact on people's mental health, especially if, if you were, if it, if it was stopping you getting out and meeting people, yeah. You, we always say that epilepsy is sort of more than seizures. Do you feel that's been your experience? Do you feel there's a lot more than just the seizures? There's a lot of like lack of independence and things like that. Uh, not sure about that. I think, I think you know somebody who's who's ill once every few weeks, um, which was kind of the way I viewed it, um, uh, or, or once every few months latterly. I'm not sure I did see that as having a big impact on me more generally. Um, I think initially, I think, as I say, you know, most people who are, who are diagnosed are, are really quite puzzled as to what it is they've been diagnosed with. Yeah. And I think that probably just is just an illustration of the fact that people in general don't really know what, what epilepsy is. And the fact there's so many different types of epilepsy, I suppose people you know, are unsure what it is that they're supposed to avoid. Are you supposed to avoid 
you know, flashing lights or Japanese cartoons on television or strobes or what is it you're supposed to avoid? Um, and I think uh, I think that that that's, that confusion I think is definitely a definitely a thing. And, and if you've been diagnosed as having epilepsy and you don't really know what it is, I suppose that that looking back was probably quite disturbing. Um, but um, in the end, as I say, I was lucky enough that it was controlled by medication. Uh, how did you feel when you got that sort of medication um, that helped stop you having seizures? Was that sort of a big relief for you? Or? Well, yeah, I suppose it was a big relief. I mean, in a way, it was difficult to kind of look back in a moment of relief because I suppose it was about something that didn't happen rather than about something that, that happened. Um, but yeah, it's difficult, you know, for somebody in my position as, as someone who's no longer hopefully having seizures, it's very difficult, of course, to prove whether you've just grown out of them or whether the medication has worked. And the only way to find out, of course, is to do an experiment, and that's to stop taking your tablets. But, of course, that means you can't drive for a year, and that means that you might have a seizure, which is not good for your health. So um, so it's difficult to look back on that moment, other than to say that uh, I'm glad I'm in that. I'm fortunate enough to be in, in that position, and lots, lots of people aren't. Um, and it's it's allowed me eventually to become a very elderly learner driver, and uh, that's that's been a significant thing in my job because I, I represent thirteen islands in in Parliament. So really, getting around by public transport in my constituency isn't really an option, um, other than ferries. Um, so um, yeah, that's been kind of essential. And I was learning to drive just when I about the time I got elected. So. Um, but I think I think more generally, yeah, I suppose um, when you're first diagnosed, that it does you do kind of take a little bit of a dent to your confidence if you assume there's nothing wrong with you and you suddenly find out there is whatever that thing is is going to dent your confidence for a wee while. Um, do you feel there's still a sort of stigma surrounding epilepsy? Yeah, I was uh, reading a book recently, and I'm terrible with names, but. Uh, uh, the name will come back to me, but um, I was reading a, a book recently um, um, about the history of epilepsy, and uh, it was talking about the the stigma that existed until really quite recently. And I can't say I've ever felt myself experience proper stigma. I have seen some strange things, mind you. I've seen someone else have a seizure in the street, and uh, an old lady approached them with a fork. And try to put a fork in their mouth. Um, she obviously carried one in her handbag just for these situations. Uh, I have seen, um, I have seen, you know, people say some strange things about epilepsy that you know would tend to suggest that they think it's a psychiatric condition, or that they think it's a mental health condition. Um, so I have seen a lot of. Of ignorance, but I think maybe the most difficult thing to explain to people is that there's so many different types of epilepsy, and so you, you find yourself having to explain over and over again what it is that you don't have. Um, that in my case, I'm I'm not sensitive to strobe lights or or, or whatever. I'm not photosyn. I was going to say photosynthetic, but I'm not photosensitive um, to to in that way. So I think that that can be quite a wearisome process explaining what it is you don't have. And I think a lot of people with, with epilepsy find find that. Um 
can you tell us a bit about the work that the cross party group on epilepsy does and what do you feel still needs to happen to help people living with epilepsy in Scotland? Well, those are good questions, especially the second one. The um, in terms of the cross party group, um, we are uh, the cross party groups in the parliament are, are really an opportunity for um, members of the Scottish Parliament to engage with the outside world, if you like. So, in our case, uh, that's done through Epilepsy Scotland, and that brings together MSPs from different parties to hear from experts on epilepsy, for instance, uh, people in the medical profession. To hear about what the problems are um, and uh, what needs to be done. Well, we, we hear about that regularly. I think I know that just now Epilepsy Scotland and others are, are campaigning on the, the mental health impact of, of having epilepsy. And I think that there's still a lot more needs to be done to recognise the problems that, that some people can face in terms of loneliness or isolation um, or the, the, the problems that some people can face in terms simply of, of getting employment. And I think this is the, that this is the thing that a, a lot of people don't quite understand. Um, again, I'm speaking a lot about rural areas, but if you can't drive and you live in a rural area, you cannot get a job. Um, or I exaggerate a bit, but not much. Um, if you um, have epilepsy, the, the figures suggest that you're much, much more likely to be out of work. You're much more likely that your talents will go unused, that you will be underemployed or that your qualifications won't get used. I think those are some of the things that have come through, I think, via the cross-party group that I think have, have really struck us all, um, things we hadn't really thought about. Um, but how for some people, especially people with ongoing symptoms, um, actually getting into the world of work is surprisingly difficult. Um, what advice would you give to someone with epilepsy who is struggling with their mental health? Well, I think I think what I would advise is is for people to to think about what the potential sources of of advice and help are, um, whether that's in their circle of friends or whether that's through their doctor or whether that's through organisations like Epilepsy Scotland or perhaps it could be. I mean, in these days, now that there's an epilepsy centre in Scotland, it might be about trying to to go there to to get a better diagnosis of what's wrong and a better idea of what the, the solutions might be. Um, or it might just be about, you know, admitting to other people that um, that you're finding it difficult and that you're you're needing help. And that help might be might be support at a personal level, or it, it might be, as I say, more practical or medical, or it might be about trying to find sources of information about getting into the world of employment and, and so on. So I, I suppose the, the main the main advice would be would, would really be to to find somebody to to speak to and, and to ask. Uh, if someone was like newly diagnosed with epilepsy, is there things that you wish you did when you got first diagnosed now or I suppose if now looking back, I think I would have been a, a lot pushier than I could have been as a 17-year-old to, to try and find out um, what exactly it was I'd been diagnosed with and, and what was going to be done to try and get medication that worked. I think from a sort of practical point of view, that's that's what I would have probably pushed harder to try and find out about. Um because I, I, I think um 
I didn't really understand or know, like most people didn't really understand or know what the options for, for medication even really were. Um, looking back, I would probably have been a bit more diligent about doing things like making appointments with consultants, which is somebody as a student doesn't really seem to be very high on your list of priorities. Um, I, I, as I say, I, I would probably have possibly even if I thought about it or even if such things had existed, I, I would probably have thought about things like the epilepsy centre in, in Glasgow or uh, or, or thought about other places that I could go to for support, but um, I'm not sure that much support other than initial medical diagnosis, really, and, and an attempt at medication, I'm not really sure that much support was ever offered um, by way of any kind of conversation with anyone through the NHS beyond occasional visits to a doctor. And I think I hope that is better than it used to be. Uh, certainly if it's not, that's something that would need to be fixed. Next, I spoke to Epilepsy Scotland's wellbeing manager, Vicky Burns, and asked how an epilepsy diagnosis can affect a person's mental health. Any long-term condition, any lifelong condition, epilepsy affects a, a person's mental health. Um, there's a real period of readjustment um, and coming to terms with that because epilepsy, as you're aware, um, is, is so much more than just seizures. Um, there's a whole sense of loss um, and people have to go through a bit of a grieving process for that. Um, I, I, and when I say a, a sense of loss, that can be for a sense of a person's identity, um, Perhaps if you've you've had a job that's involved driving, um, there you may not be able to do that for for some time. Um, there, if you've been the the, the breadwinner in the, in the family, that that that's difficult. Uh, sometimes it's it's about looking at the career that options have become become more uh, difficult for for people. So. So there, there's all of that, and and the sense of unsure, you you're unsure of of what lies ahead, what this this means, um. So that can be be really difficult for for people, um. And there's also the the anxiety that goes with that, um. Whether that's anxiety in the really short term, you don't know when you may have a seizure, um. You may be worried about having a seizure in public, uh. All of that is, is can can be really difficult, or it could be longer term anxiety about uh, not not knowing what what the future holds um, for you. Uh, all of that can can really affect a, a person's mental health, um, and that uh, can can go beyond diagnosis. Uh, lots of the people that we see in the wellbeing service may not be newly diagnosed, they may have had, had epilepsy for a long, long time um, and are still c coming to terms with that or something may have shifted um, within, the, their seizure pattern may have changed um, or just the, 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 the living with a condition for such a, a long period of time can be really difficult. So I think um, epilepsy makes, makes a massive difference. Um, and the statistics show that to us as well. 
Um, one in six of the adult population uh, would suffer from depression, for instance, at some point in their life. Um, for people with epilepsy, that's that's one in three. Um, so you're more, you're twice as likely to suffer from depression um, if you have a, a diagnosis of, of epilepsy. So I think the the main thing for anybody that's out there um, with that is struggling with their mental health um, with epilepsy is is to say that you know it's it's completely normal and accepted and, and it's absolutely as they say it's okay not to be okay um, and I think what's really important about this campaign is it's encouraging people with epilepsy to talk about the challenges that the, the, the diagnosis brings to their mental health. Can you tell us a bit about Epilepsy Scotland's wellbeing service and how it can help and so improve people's mental health? Okay, yeah, we we bring a space to explore uh, all of those those challenges that that I talked about. Um, it's it's about acknowledging that yes, this is a, a physical condition, it's a neurological condition, um, but that also has has effects on people's mental health. It's about seeing seeing health as a whole. Um, and it's about bringing, giving people that space to really explore. Um, in a number of ways, um, we would start with one-to-one -one work with the, a qualified counselling skills trained worker. Um, we'd sit down with the person with, with epilepsy and, and really explore where, where, where that person feels a bit stuck. We would describe people as as just feeling feeling a little bit stuck, and uh, we would describe, we would work with them to find out what it is that would would, would help them get unstuck, um, and people can continue, um, for for a number of weeks, uh, working on a one to one basis, um, and get a variety of tools and techniques that can really help that that person move. Through, through that that stuckness, as it were, um, but really, what the wellbeing service does is is work with the, that person and and work with what's going to work for them. Um, everybody's different. Yes, people have similar challenges, but everybody is different. So we offer a variety of different activities and different ways to do that. We have groups. We we bring people together, and um, so uh, some people really enjoy meeting other people, other that have this, are experiencing some of the similar things that they're experiencing, and having the space to explore that. Have just knowing that you're not alone um, can be really make a, a massive difference to to people's mental health. We also know over. A number of activities within within those groups um, that can also help with their, their mental health. We offer a breathing and relaxation group, which we work with a, a Buddhist um, who it's we would describe it as mindfulness techniques rather than mindfulness itself. 
Um, so a number of techniques that can really help people uh, just focus on the moment, uh, really help with people's relaxation um, and, and give them again an, another place to, to meet with others with epilepsy and explore what works for them. Um, and most recently we've been offering a yoga uh, course uh, which is really helping again. We offer a bit of space for chat, a cup of tea uh, with like-minded people but also again the a, a yoga um, very much at people's own, own pace. The tutor is a, a trauma-informed yoga specialist um, and it's really it's one of the nicest yoga classes that I've ever been to because you absolutely do what you feel that you can do and there's no pressure to, to kind of push yourself any any further um, and there's also quite a, 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 a space in that for a yoga nidri practice um, which is a really lovely relaxation practice and really again helps helps people live in the moment and focus on the moment and it's very helpful for relaxation. Uh, we also, once people have been involved in the service uh, a bit, we also offer the option to become a buddy volunteer, um, which is a, a bit of training for people to just support other other people with epilepsy as they come into groups um, and people find that that is a really nice way to give something back um, to the organisation, to other people with epilepsy and, and, and a lot of people have found it's a real stepping stone to, to perhaps volunteer in other capacities um, and then and possibly get looking at a, another line of work as well, so it could be really helpful. Given the current cost of living crisis, have you seen an increase in inquiries to the wellbeing service from people who are struggling with not only the epilepsy but the mental health? Yeah, we definitely are, are seeing uh, not just a, an increase in inquiries but, but also a, more and more people whose mental health has been compounded by the, the financial struggles that the, the, they're having. Um, we've we've found for a long time, um, and we work very closely with the welfare rights service w within the the wellbeing team, and lots of lo lots of people are, are cross work with both teams, um, and more and more we're seeing that a, a person that's that's perhaps coming into the wellbeing service, struggling with their emotional health, also is struggling with their financial health. Um, and similarly, people who are coming in to the welfare rights service needing um, some support on their financial affairs are also get referred over to the wellbeing service because their emotional health is really d difficult. Um, and as pressures on families uh, continue, we, we we see so much of that. They're, they're very much interlinked um, and often we find that once we can support somebody with their, their fi financial well-being 
actually they're, they're saying they don't really need the, the emotional well-being support anymore um, so it is something that we see the two services work in tandem with each other they're really important um, to, to work together um, what other kind of resources are available um, to help people who are struggling with their mental health? Things that, that would help people who are struggling with their mental health is, is finding a space to talk things over. Um, so sharing with a friend, a relative, how people are feeling, um, or perhaps if the, there isn't somebody out there, and I, I realise that lots of people won't, feel that they don't want to burden and they don't want to worry their friends um, is to talk to somebody out with the, their family and friends support network so perhaps the, the epilepsy wellbeing team perhaps the helpline the epilepsy scotland helpline um, to be able to talk that over or indeed the, your your gp or your epilepsy team um, whether that, that's the epilepsy specialist nurse um, or your neurologist um, but really the, the old adage of a, a, a trouble shared is a trouble halved definitely rings true um, the, the, just getting the, that space and, and getting things out there can really help that, that would be one of the main things I would suggest the, the other things are, I would suggest as a, as a self-help uh, tool is to, to find out a wee bit more about self-care and compassion um, and go go out there and there's some really really good resources on the net I would just encourage people to google um, and self-care and compassion that there's some brilliant things out there. Um, I would describe treating self-care, compassion as, as treating yourself like like a friend. Uh, a, a really nice technique um, that I think is really helpful um, if you're you're struggling with something um, is to write yourself a letter in third person um, and, and write it as if uh, if you were a friend. Um, rather than writing to yourself, um, write your problem down and then reply as, as if it was a friend replying to you. We're so much kinder and more caring towards the people that are around us than we often are ourselves. So I, I would completely recommend that as a, a tool. Um, the other thing that I'm a, a huge believer in um, and may have been more cynical of in the past and I understand that people can be a little bit cynical but I really believe in breathing um, and clearly if somebody's anxious um, we go into um, the fight or flight mode which is not great for it's not great for anyone it's particularly not great for for people with, with epilepsy because stress is such a big trigger for seizures um, but breathing is really wonderful because what it does is it almost kind of tricks the the brain um, it's just because the one thing that we do when we go into fight or flight mode is that our heart rate increases, our breath increases, we take smaller 
smaller breaths. We don't get as much oxygen in there, and breathing is 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 you know is is it's not going to completely convince your body that that everything's fine, but it can just help getting the, getting the oxygen into those those muscles, um, and just calming everything down. Um, less than off that adrenaline that's getting pumped through through your body can be really really helpful so if you again I would suggest going online um, I'm a big fan of Kristen Neff uh, that is Kristen and N-E-F-F um, lots of little techniques but the, the uh, I, 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 I don't want to suggest any particular websites or anything because I know there are so many out there and it's really good for people to find the, the thing that works for them and, and works well for them. Are there any times a person should seek help beyond themselves or sort of friends and family? Yeah, certainly. There absolutely are, are times um, that self-help is probably not enough and you do need to seek the help uh, a, a professional I would say if perhaps keep a diary of how you're feeling um, and when you feel sad more than you feel okay um, if you find that you know if, even if it's just doing a smiley face or a sad face um, and you realise that, that you know there's more sad faces than there are are smiley faces um, that you know this is more than than perhaps just a couple of blue days um, so I'd say speak, speak to a professional at that point um, I think if you're eating or your sleeping pattern has been affected if you're, you're, you're waking in the night and you're not able to get back to sleep you've gone off of food then it might be be, be worth it particularly if you you have epilepsy because of the the fact that this is not going to help with, your, with seizures and things, and again, if your seizure pattern has been affected, um, that you think actually this is probably because I'm so stressed, um, it is worth um, speaking to your, your your clinical team around that, and also if. You find that you've lost interest in things that you you really used to be passionate about, that you really used to enjoy. Um, that that you've whether that's watching the football or or listening to music. If you're just not finding the same enjoyment out of things, then it might be worth talking to someone as well. Um, and similarly, if your relationships are being affected, if you're arguing with a partner. Um, more bad-tempered with, with kids. Uh, obviously, all relationships go through through ups and downs. But if you can really see that that, that how you're feeling is having an effect on on the relationships they're having, then again, worth worth talking to somebody. Um, and uh, you know, most importantly, if you're you're starting to harm yourself or starting to feel uh, suicidal, feel that that you may want to hurt yourself, then please do contact um, whether it's the your your GP, 
your epilepsy specialist team, the Samaritans, Breathing Space, um, a mental health charity, um, ep the Epilepsy Scotland helpline, uh, the carers centres that are out there, there are a number of resources that are out there but, but I, I would say that if any of those things are affecting you then then, then please do get in touch. The, the, there is, will be somebody at the end of the line that, that can that can give you support and get you to the, the, the next place. Uh, because feelings um, are, are temporary, and the emotions are, are temporary and we, they, they're difficult, um, but, but they usually are fleeting. What would you say to someone who is struggling with their mental health and epilepsy? I think all of the all of the above really, but but definitely the the main thing is is to talk to somebody, and um, realise that there there are services out there, um, who will understand. There are other people out there that will understand. There are other people that have been through the where you are, um, and they they will be willing to to listen, um, and. Uh, I, I'm really kind of proud of the fact that the, the wellbeing service um, has has worked with so many people in the past and continues to work with people. Um, and one of the things that, that they say is it's just so nice. It, it's just so nice. The first time I've I've been heard. Um, so I would really encourage people to get in touch with, um, if not Epilepsy Scotland, with 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 someone. Yeah. Um, and and open up. That's all we have time for today. Thanks to Alistair and Vicky for joining me. If you're struggling with your epilepsy and mental health, please call our free phone helpline on 0808 800 2200 or email contact at uk. We have launched Scotland's first ever national survey seeking to understand the effect epilepsy can have and the mental health of someone who has a neurological condition. To complete the survey, please go to epilepsyscotland.org.uk forward slash mental health survey. Thank you to everyone for listening. Keep an eye on our social media channels for the next Doc Epilepsy podcast and I hope you all have a great day.